The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. This time yesterday, here in studio, I was joined by Connor Skeen, the uh, DIT lecturer, the Sunday Independent columnist, the former chair of the Housing Agency. A lot of strong views expressed by him. As there always are. Um, I want to talk through some of those now with Rory Hearn, who's Assistant Professor in Social Policy at Maynooth University. He's the author of uh, GAFs, Why No One Can Get a House and What We Can Do About It. I'm holding a copy uh, in my hand. Um, Rory, but before we, we come to you, I just want to remind everybody about a couple of things Connor said yesterday. So here he is uh, talking a little bit about the current market and how it compares uh, to the crash. Housing markets are always teetering on an edge of oversupply and undersupply. And when it starts to go into oversupply, it's a runaway train. A runaway train in housing wrecked the Irish economy in 2008. We already have to start to watch out for the dangers of oversupply. And do you see the early signs of that? I certainly see the attitudes of it, yeah. Celtic Tiger 1 was caused by exactly that, by an oversupply of housing. Uh, in, uh, In 2007, I think it was, we built close on 100,000 houses in a year in this country. And uh, once you get to those figures, uh, the supply uh, overshoots demand. Overshoot. Housing is really complex because it's about two or three years between the the famous spade going into the ground and the house Mm. coming out of it. And that overshoot is what causes the problem uh, and uh, what destroys economies. That was Conor Skeen on the show yesterday. Uh, much like Stephen Donnelly, you can listen back to the interview in its entirety as well as a podcast. Uh, Rory, are we in danger of oversupplying the housing market. Yeah, I listened to the the interview, Kieran. Um, bizarre was kind of my reaction. Bizarre and frustration and anger um, around this idea that we're in somehow some situation of oversupply. Um, I, first of all, uh, Connor was wrong about the Celtic Tiger in terms of you know it was this oversupply. Um, the last two years of the Celtic Tiger, two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, of half of all the new homes that were built, half of those 100,000 homes were bought as a second property. So it wasn't that people who needed homes were buying them. It was this pressure of additional property purchase, property of uh, purchase of property as an investment rather than a home that really pushed those prices. And this is the thing that we're seeing today a similar thing but he he's I just think completely disconnected clearly from the reality of the crisis when we look at you know there's uh, homeless families saying that they've been told by councils can you sleep in a car we've nurses teachers the farmers protesting today saying part of it is the housing the lack of housing um, you know half a million young people living at home in their you know box rooms uh, parents' box rooms being infantilized. I, I think Connor is completely disconnected from the reality of what is this housing catastrophe in this country. Yeah, now I, I, I did ask about kind of the, the, the human costs and uh, I think his response was something along the lines of, you know, it, it's, a, it's an emotive issue and people get emotional about it and he acknowledged that people would criticise him. His advice, though, was that if you want to serve all of the people of this country well on the housing front, that you effectively... Well, you do nothing, actually. Take a listen to it. This was his advice to Owen Murphy, former Minister for Housing. The big thing with housing is just to leave it alone. Way mm. back when Owen Murphy used to be the Minister, I said to, to him, Minister, just whatever you do, do nothing. Just do nothing. And do it for about three to five years and announce that's what you're going to do. And uh, that's what the market really needs, is stability and certainty. Okay, uh, look, it's, he's, he's not alone in this. It's, 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 a, it's a kind of classically 
free market view of housing. Mm. Just do nothing. Mm. The market will solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he expressed that quite clearly. And, and I was thinking, listening to him, um, that to me, you know, because a lot of people ask, how did we end up here? He was the head of a housing, the housing agency, the public agency for whatever he was, four or five years. As he said he advised the Minister for Housing and... Um, and this was his advice. Do nothing. Let the market, uh, what? Like markets, the whole point of markets, markets deliver when there's profit available and if they see sufficient profit. Housing is an expensive thing to deliver. It is, Connor's right, it is complex. Um, but the issue is, if you just allow the market, then it will deliver, as I said, if there's profit there. We can see at the moment, um, you know, prices are rising in terms of construction cost to delivery. And therefore, some developers and investors saying, well, actually, we don't want to supply. And it comes back to the fundamental point. If you leave a fundamental need of housing up to the market, sometimes you'll have delivery, sometimes you won't. You certainly won't have delivery if you can't afford to pay the market price. Mm. And this is the fundamental problem that we're in. If you look at, for example, the um, you know, when, when we look at the, where we are last year, there was 30,000 homes built. Yeah. But of those um, less, around 8,000, so less than a third were actually bought by someone buying a home. Less than a third of the new homes. 9,000 were built to rent. So they were being built as a rental. But these are being rented at rates which nobody can afford. So the issue is the market doesn't necessarily supply the right type of housing or it doesn't meet housing need. Mm. Um, And there's an acceptance of this in countries. You go to Finland, you go to Sweden, Denmark, Germany. They all accept their housing systems are built around two fundamental concepts. One is the state has to provide social housing on sufficient scale. And secondly, you have to regulate the market. So uh, on, on, on both of those fronts then... The first, on the first, that the state needs to um, to intervene to a much greater degree. Were Dara O'Brien here again today as he was yesterday? I know exactly what his response to that would be. We are intervening. He would say, look at the amount we're spending. The state is the biggest player in housing in this country by a long, long way. And what I would say is that it is completely still insufficient to meet the scale of housing need and the failures of the market. The market will not deliver the scale of affordable and social housing that we need. I set out in my book that we need 40,000 social and affordable homes each year for at least a decade if if we're to meet the level of housing need. And the problem is with the market approach is that it only looks at what's called housing demand. So that is, do you have the money to pay for what's on offer or what's been built? And the market builds on the basis that they make a projection. Will people be able to afford to buy? Will they pay the rents? And then if you don't have that demand, if you can't afford the 400, mm. 500,000 home or the 3,000 a month rent, you're not considered in terms of... So it doesn't meet housing need. And therefore, that um, the level of um, housing been built by government... It's supposed to be around 14,000 of the, and throwing out a lot of numbers, 14,000 yeah. of the 33,000 yeah. are social and affordable. They actually only built 7,000. But we need close to 40,000 social and affordable homes each year. And then, and then you, what, you leave the market to deal with the upper end it, of the price range. Essentially, let the, the state provides thirty to 40,000 social homes every year. And if there is a demand for more homes on top of that, as you'd imagine there would be for more expensive homes, for bigger homes, for whatever it happens to be, then 
Well, let the market let, the let market. market rules dictate. Uh, absolutely, and so it's not saying you don't have a market. You know, all these countries—Finland, Sweden, Denmark—they all have private housing mm. markets, private delivery. People, you know, own their own homes, but lots and lots of people rent publicly, and their state has this much bigger role. And also, what we call not-for-profit housing associations—the Responds, the Cluids—these um, type of organisations play a much, much bigger role. And I think that's at the heart of the solution. That while the government are saying yes, we're doing more it's still nowhere near what is needed in terms of that non-market intervention. Are are they doing the right type of thing? Like when you talk about kind of Cluid and the other uh, programmes on Cree Conaha and and other schemes, like, you know, are are they on the right track but they're just not moving at the right pace? Would you give them that? I, I think that, yes, there has been a shift, I think, in the last year or two to acknowledge that actually local authorities need to get back building, housing associations need to have a key role. But as I said, the issue, though, is... If you're not doing it on the scale that's needed, you're not going to address the crisis. And in part, this is, I think, that it's their ideologies, which we're, we're willing to build a certain amount, but we don't really want to intervene too much in the market. Because, as Connor mentioned, he started talking about house prices, and if you have an oversupply, that it leads to a fall in house prices. And there is a certain amount of government policy over the last 10 years has been about how do we not intervene too much that would keep prices down? Because mm-hmm. the whole point is, if you provide a huge supply of social and affordable housing, rents, of course, are naturally going to fall. Like, we have 60,000 households in the private rental market. 60,000 who are in receipt of HAP. So, there's a billion a year of public money going to private landlords, which is essentially keeping the market inflated. Whereas if they were in real social housing there would be much more rental housing available and much more and much there mm. wouldn't be that same pressure on rents either. Let, let, actually, on the, mo- the the question of money going to private developers, that, that was ostensibly what Dara O'Brien was on the show yesterday to talk about this, you know, one billion euro extra that's been dedicated to kind of to, to, to housing and to adding additionality is the word that he uses quite a bit. Anyway, um, uh, this is him talking about the decision or this is rather Conor Skeen reacting to the minister's decision to waive development fees. The most worrying thing he was saying, and again, no disrespect, the minister is doing his best, but uh, the most worrying thing was the sense of you can never have enough housing. We've ruined our country once with that attitude. The other thing is that that money has to come from somewhere. Those wires and pipes have to be paid for and it's just the taxpayer that are paying for it. We were originally at least seeing a connection between public expenditure and the person who benefited from it, be the a person who bought the house or the developer. There are certainly cases for saying that there are more subtle ways of doing it. You could have spread the uh, development levies out over 20 years or something like that. Um, but uh, th- this, is, this is not a good precedent. This is more politicians giving away public money. Would you tend to agree with him on that front? Yeah, I would agree with him on that. That the the idea of waiving the development levies, I was actually quite surprised um, that they moved that way quite so quickly because everything else, other measures like rental measures, are saying we'll do it in the budget, but straight away development levies. And you know, developers aren't. You know, I was looking at two of the large largest developers in the country made a hundred million profit each last year. They're not basket cases at the moment in terms of financial hardship. Um, and the idea that you would just pour money in with no affordability requirements, to me, again, that's that's not good policy. Like you're saying, we're going to waive the levies and we're going to have no policy that would ensure... Yeah, 12 and a half grand on average per unit, they say, it would reduce the cost, the input cost for the developer. But there's no guarantee 
baked into this, into this deal, that would force the developer or the builder or the contractor, whoever it happens to be, to pass that on. So they, it's up to them. I'll pocket it or I'll make the house cheaper. And we know what happens. The evidence is that whenever there's a government grant in terms of towards being able to buy a home or a removal of a levy, the cost of the house goes up accordingly. And I think that this is, again, this issue of they're stuck between, oh, we'll, we'll try and incentivise the market versus we'll actually do this. And again, I think that the real, if we, we have significant public money, and again, it was a billion, but it wasn't a billion a year. It's like it's once-off billion. Mm. But yet we have, what, 25 billion surplus coming up in the coming years. Why isn't that put into the housing associations to buy them land? They're saying they need land. They could build more if they had land. Why aren't we putting it into? I've made the argument for a public construction company, a housing company that would actually be able to hire the builders, hire the workers, because... There is, it is important that we need to say the market is not all the same. You have developers who are the ones who access the finance, get the land and hire a builder. Mm. They're not, they're the ones who cream most of the profit out of it. Builders tend to be just building at pretty much cost or not far off it. And I think we need to see there's a difference between those two and what the state should be doing is hiring builders and creating its own building capacity and not being reliant on developers. Rory Hearn, Assistant Professor in Social Policy in Maynooth University and the author of Gas, Why No One Can Get a House and What We Can Do About It. Rory, a pleasure and thanks a million for coming into the studio. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.